Again, I'm very glad that you're here, glad you made the effort to be here tonight. Tonight, we're going to continue uh, our Bible study, How To's on the Highway to Heaven. Uh, it has been an excellent study so far. I want to remind you, these are on Facebook, on our church website, our church Facebook page as, as well. You can go watch those. You can tell somebody else they're there. You can share those. Uh, also, there's a book in the foyer there at the Welcome Center. If you did not get the book, uh, you can grab it on the way out of our Bible study tonight. There's a lot that we have learned uh, in these weeks. There's a lot that we have seen, a lot that we have covered. But I want to tell you, I was looking ahead, and I still believe the best is still to come. Very practical things we've learned uh, in living life from the point that we've trusted Christ and the point that we're with Christ in eternity. And I still think uh, the best lessons are ahead. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, depression. What does the Bible say about depression? What are we to do with depression? Again, a very relevant issue for our day. Um, sometimes as we study the Bible, and, and maybe you're like me, you would sit there and think, you know what, what, is, what does this mean right now? What does it mean in these days? And, and I believe each week has been spot on uh, for the things that we're, we're looking at. One of the main things that we're seeing, and I, and I really was just trying to map it out, one of the things that's coming out of the Bible study is the truth that it matters how you live. It matters how you live. We, we uh, sometimes think that, you know what, you've put your trust in Christ, you're saved, you've got that taken care of, and now we'll just go back to living our life, to doing the things that we have to do. Uh, the truth is, it matters how we live. And I, and I want us to see this uh, in these weeks. When we trust Christ, that is when the good part starts. That's when we have the potential to know God. That's when we have the potential to grow in our knowledge of God. And that's when we have the ability to walk with God. As a lost person, you're not walking with God. You cannot walk with God. This is the best part. We're walking with God, uh, looking forward to the day that we're going to be with Jesus Christ. Well, in the midst of that, we're seeing it matters how we live. And I'll tell you, for the high schoolers, what an awesome thing to hear. It matters how you live. The things you do, they matter. For the 90-year-olds in the room, you know what? It matters how you live. It actually matters how we live. Now, it matters to the name of Jesus Christ. It matters to the lost folks around us looking for hope. It matters to your peace of mind. And one of the, one of the things that we're missing today in our culture is a peace of mind. Well, it matters that you would have a peace of mind in that you're walking with Christ. All the way through this study, and really in all the things that we keep studying, we're actually finding out God actually has the best way for us to live. The best way for you to operate in your home, in your, in your business, in your job, at school, the Bible actually tells us the best way to live. And so the truth is, it matters how we live, and we're finding that out in this study. Well, tonight we're going to look at the subject of fear, the subject of fear tonight. Now, there's two main truths that come out of our study tonight, and they're, they're excellent they're needed, they're necessary, and they're very relevant for us tonight. First, first thing I want to do, we're going to, we're going to get to these two main truths in a second, but I first want to look at some, some, some realities about fear. And I want you to think about these realities before we go and look at the two main truths that we're going to pull out tonight. The first thing to understand is fear is real. Fear is real. It is a thing. Fear is a reality. 
It is not made up. Now, last week, we talked about worry, and worry really is the creation of your mind. You're worrying about things, uh, but you can't change them. You worry about things that you may have no impact over. Now, worry, a lot of times, is the product of our minds, but fear is real. Now, I'm going to read you the definition of fear. This is from Merriam-Webster, and I want you to listen because it's interesting how important this definition is going to be. Fear is real. Now, here's, here's the definition. Fear is to be afraid of someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. Now, listen to that again. Fear is to be afraid of someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. Now, I, I want you to think about that for just a second. If, if there is somebody, and, and you're going through the course of this evening, you leave here, and you go to United, and, and you're picking up a few things, and it gets dark, and the store closes, and you go out in the parking lot, and you're getting into your car, and as you get in your car, the street's deserted, everybody's gone their own way, and, and you put your groceries in your car, and you turn around, and a person jumps out, and they have a gun. They have a pistol. Uh, at that point, you could say, well, there's no such thing as fear. Well, this, this is happening. Looks like this is going to happen. Or you could fight. Uh, you could run. You could just drop your groceries and hooktail and run out of there. Or maybe you're like Kaylin, You could pull a gun and shoot them back. <laughs> there's a saying that Franklin Roosevelt said, and I don't know what else he got wrong, probably some things, but he said, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Did you know that's absurd? Uh, that sounds good, that sounds very logical. Hey, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Uh, but when somebody jumps out at night and they have a gun, if you're to say, well, there's nothing to fear but fear itself, you're probably about to leave tied up in a van driving out in the country somewhere. Nothing to fear. There are things to fear. Fear is real. Fear sometimes is necessary. And so to say there's nothing to fear but fear, there's a guy with a gun. There is something to fear. So the first thing to understand is this. We're going to go into this Bible study. Fear is real. Fear is real. Second reality is this. Fear affects us. It's not only real, it affects us. Now, it affects us physically which if somebody is scared, their heart rate goes up. Uh, there, there is actually a, a response that, that adrenaline is dumped into our system. Uh, if you're fearful, all of a sudden you can become sick. And you watch somebody and they get scared and they double over and they're sick. There are actually cases, I looked up a couple, don't, don't do that this, after, this evening, of folks that were actually scared to death. And, and there's, a, there's a YouTube video of a dog that falls out of a window and some guy has a heart attack and he dies uh, scared to death. Fear impacts us. It affects us physically. It also impacts us emotionally. It carries out, it has with it an emotional response. Uh, of course it does. There's an emotional response. Guess what? It also impacts us spiritually. Now, we're going to see it could be a negative thing. It could be a positive thing. But there is a spiritual impact, effect of fear. Now, all of that to say this, what fear does is it immobilizes us. It slows us down 
or it possibly stops us. Now, think about that for just a second. You're evaluating something. You're thinking about something, and you're saying, should I do this? Fear may stop you from doing that. It may slow you down. God is leading us to do this. You know what? God's leading our home to do this. God has led us to do this as a church. God is leading us to do this. Fear may slow that down. Fear may even stop it. Or the best thing for you is to do this. And maybe it's in God's word. The best thing for your finances is to do this thing. The best thing for your marriage to do this thing. This is actually the best thing, but you know what? Fear may slow you down. Fear may keep you from doing it. Fear immobilizes us. Now, think about that. I was thinking about times uh, that, that there is a situation that, that was fearful in the Bible. And, and we could pull a whole bunch out. But, but think about these couple of things. Here is Noah, and he's commanded to build this ark, and he does it. He's in, he does it in obedience, and it starts to rain, and he gets his family. God shuts the ark. They're in the ark, and it starts to rain, and it keeps on raining, and it keeps on raining. He hears all of the human race outside of the ark, and what are they doing? Sometimes we don't tell that story completely. They're drowning. They're reaching for air. They're looking for, for salvation, for deliverance, and yet it rains and the rest of the human race drowns outside of that ark. It, the ark picks up, it floats, the rest of the world has perished, and, and they're on this ark and, and it quits, stops raining. And we're not sure when we're getting off this thing, we're not sure what's gonna happen now. We're not sure what the world's gonna look like when we get off of this. We know nobody's alive. We heard them all drown out there. Don't you imagine there were nights when Noah had to stand there and go, man, I'm not sure if we went off this thing. I'm not sure what's going to happen now. I'm not sure what's, what's next. Had to be a time that was fearful. Abraham, think about Abraham. His name's Abram at the time. God comes to him and, and talks to him and says, leave here and go to the land that I'm going to tell you. That's his direction. It wasn't do this and do that and let me give you this and let me show you this. It was this. Leave here and go to the land that I'm going to tell you. He's supposed to leave the land of his fathers, of his, of his ancestors, of his family. He's supposed to leave everything he knows. Now, you know how it works here. You know the systems here. Leave all of that and just go where? Someplace I tell you. Leave the security of, you know what? I have money here. I have a future here. I have a position here. Leave that and go to the land that I tell you. You know what? Abraham honestly has to be terrified. What, what's there? What's waiting on us? What am I leaving behind? What's going to happen in the future? A very fearful time. Here's Moses. God appears to Moses in a burning bush. He says, you're going to lead my people. Uh, can you imagine I'm going to lead an entire nation? I'm out here with the sheep. I'd rather be with the sheep. I know what I'm doing with the sheep. You're going to stand against Pharaoh. You're going to go to Pharaoh and say, you know what, let my people go. You know what Pharaoh could do? He could cut your head off. He could throw you in the Nile River. He's going to go and stand against Pharaoh. He's going to speak for God. He's actually going to deliver God's message to Pharaoh, but also to the Israelites. He has to be terrified. That has to be a, a scary thing. All right, keep going down the list. Think about Joshua. Joshua comes, 
He inherits the leadership of the, 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 the nation, the people. Just a couple things. They get to the, to the Jordan River, and it's in flood stage. And they're supposed to cross it. The priests are supposed to step into the water, and, and it's flowing when they step into it. Step into the water and go across the Jordan River. Uh, you're supposed to go to these great fortified cities with, with great armies and, and fight against these cities. You're going to go to Jericho. And you're going to do these things when you fight against Jericho. You're going to go and you're going to actually chase out the enemies of God and possess the promised land. Joshua has to be terrified in that effort. Remember David. David is a young man. Now, he, he does a lot of, a lot of things. There's a, a, an interesting thing, the account of his life. But as a young man, 13, 14 years old, he goes and he finds the army of Israel, frozen, scared, bullied. He finds them like that. And, and he decides, you know what? I'm going to go down in this valley and I'm going to fight the Philistine from Gath. His name is Goliath. And he is a young man. And, 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 and he, he's going to go and the army's scared and he's going to go. He tries on Saul's armor and it doesn't fit him. And so he picks up five stones. I don't know. I picture that. Here he goes. He's going to stand before Goliath. He's going to fight Goliath. There's an army of the Philistines back there. These chickens are all back here. They're not going to do anything to help you. I think, well, you could pick up five stones. I'm going to pick up five stones, a rock, a club, a tiger, everything I could take to the fight, I'm going to take. He's going to take five smooth stones. He's got to be terrified. Move to the New Testament, the disciples. Jesus comes, and they're fishing. And you know what we have? We have boats paid for. You know who these boats These are? These are my dad's boats. You know what we do in these boats? We go out and we fish. We make a living. We got stuff. We're going to go in tonight, and we're going we're to cash in these fish, and we're going to come back tomorrow, and we're going to work here. And Jesus says, leave your nets and follow me. Hold on a minute. You may be a kook. Hold on a minute. I don't know how this is going to end. Hold on a minute. I've got a job here. I don't know. Our dad's getting kind of old. He doesn't want to fish much longer. We may get the four boats. These may be our boats. The disciples have to be scared, fearful. Leave your nets and follow me. Fear is real and fear impacts us. All right. We've got those set up. Fear is real. Fear serves a purpose. Fear impacts us. Fear causes us to hesitate or even stop. All right. That leads us to the two great truths for us to carry away. We're going to get right to these truths, and, and, and it's going to be a, a great thing that you're here tonight to hear these two truths. The first thing is this, and, and write this down, memorize this, watch it again tonight, remember this. The first two great truths, here's the first one. If God leads you to it, you can have no fear in it. If God leads you to it, then you should have no fear in it. You have the potential. You can have no fear in it. Now, I want you to think about some situations. What if there's a new job? Hey, here's a new job. Well, what if it doesn't work out? What if I don't like the coworkers? What if we can't do this? What if that? If God leads you to it, you can have no fear in it. What if you're supposed to go to a new town? We're going to go to a new town. That happens to folks. Well, what if we don't like the neighbors? What if this doesn't work out? What if we can't find a house? What if we can't sell our house back here? What if this? What if that? 
Here's the deal. If God leads you to it, you can have no fear in it. Don't worry about it. God's led you to it. Here's, here's a big one for, for all of us, our, our youth, all of us as adults. What if I fail? What if I start the business and it doesn't work out? What if I take the new job? What if I try something big? What if I try something new? What if I try something uncomfortable? What if I have to break with what I've done in the past? What if I'm gonna do something not normal? Here's the fact. If God leads you to it, you can have no fear in it. You, you should have no fear in it if God leads you to it. I want you to think for a second, and here's where we could have gone crazy, but this is why we read the Bible. I want you to think about each of those cases we talked about a second ago. Noah had to stand there and be fearful. Did you know one day the rain stops? Did you want, know one day that thing sets up on dry land? Did you know one day the door falls open and they walk out and guess what they are? They are delivered, they are safe, and they, the Bible says they build an altar and they worship God. Abraham, Moses, and Joshua, those, those guys all kind of have the same role. You know what God does for them in different ways? God leads them, God provides for them. We, we don't have anything to eat. We'll just wake up and it'll be on the ground. We don't, we don't have anything. We, we're tired of that. We'd like some meat. We wake up and there's quail on the ground. God provides for them. God cares for them. God protects them. And guess what happens? The promise that was made to Abraham is fulfilled. And guess what they do? They possess the promised land. They live in the promised land. God was faithful. David. David says this to, to Goliath. God has put you into my hands. And here's, here's the, he takes the stone, he hits him, he dies. Here's my favorite part of the story that we do not tell because we don't want to scare our kids. My favorite part of the story, do you know what happens next? We end it there. He hits the ground, he's dead, David kills Goliath. Here's what the Bible says. He actually goes and he takes that big old clabberhead's own sword and he cuts his head off of him. He cuts his big old clabber-headed head off the guy and he holds up the head. And you know what the Bible says? That the Israelites see David and they see that God has, has given him the victory and they see this guy's head and they turn loose on the Philistines and they start killing them right there and it says they kill them down the road and they kill them down the gorge and they kill them all the way, 30-something miles away. They're still killing Philistines. David picks up that guy's big old head and he takes it into town. God was faithful. If God leads you to it, you, you, you ought not have fear in it. The disciples, drop your nets and follow me, Jesus says. God trains them, God equips them, and God uses them. Great multitudes, really uncalculable for us multitudes, find Christ because of them. They lead many people to Christ, even us today. Did you know our tying goes back to what those disciples did? You know where they're at right now? They are with Christ right now. Here's the truth. If God leads you to it, you can have no fear in it. You should have no fear in it. If God leads you to it, you can have no fear in it. All right, so, so what, is, what brings that about? And I wanted to show you what to do. Every week, my favorite part is that this is practical. Here's what you do. Sometimes you hear religious things and go, well, that's good. I don't know what to do. Here's what you do. If God leads you to it, you should have no fear in it. You can have no fear in it. Here's what you do, a couple things. 
The first one is, is a shade of what we saw last week. All of these things go back to remember. The first thing is this, remember who God is. Remember who God is. Over and over and over again in Scripture, we, we find we need to remember who God is. In my life, I see I do better when I remember who God is. You know what? You'll be obedient when you remember who God is. You'll, you'll, you'll have trust when you remember who God is. You'll find peace when you remember who God is. And so we go back to remembering who God is. Let me ask these questions, and you don't have to answer. Here's out loud. Here's the answer. Here's the questions. Listen very carefully. Is God good? Is he mighty? He created the whole world with just a spoken word. Is he powerful? Is he able? Is he trustworthy? Is he faithful? Is he wise? He knows what needs to happen, when it needs to happen, how it needs to happen. Is he wise? Is he perfect? Is his timing perfect? Is his plan perfect? Is he righteous? Will he always do the right thing? Is he kind? Is he loving? Is he gracious? Is he merciful? Is he? Is he? Do you remember who God is? All of those things. Is he those things? Now, I want to remind you of something that I think we ought to remind ourselves very frequently. He's not only those things, he is infinitely those things. And so if here's good, he's infinitely good. If he's power, here's power, he's infinitely powerful. If this is wisdom, he has all the wisdom. He is infinitely wise. And so not only is he those things, is he kind? He doesn't have an end to his kindness. They're new every single morning. He is infinitely those things. And so listen, you just make your own blank here. So if he is blank, if he is good, if he is powerful, if he is able, if he is kind, if he is, so what do you have to fear? Is he kind to us? Does he remember us? Does he see us? What do we have to fear? What do we have to fear if he is? First thing is that, remember who he is. That's a big deal. Second thing, remember who God is, number one. Number two, remember God's will is good. So not just is he good, his will, his plan is also good. Could have picked a lot of verses, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. His plan is good. Why? Because he's good. His will is good. Remember, his will is good. He's not trying to trick you. He's not trying to punish you for something you did in the past. Well, I think I'll get him back on this one. He's not trying to fool you. He's not trying to embarrass you. God will never say, <laughs> you trusted me, now watch what happens to you. He's not setting you up for failure. God's will is good. Here's, here's my favorite one of the night. All of these are great, but here's my favorite one. Remember God's, and this is from the book, remember God's watchfulness never ceases. God's watchfulness never ceases. Now, what that means is this. 
He is with you, and he's always been with you, and he'll, there'll never be a point when he's not with you. His, his watchfulness never ceases. And so you're sitting here going, well, I don't know about this stretch. Well, things have sure gotten crazy in the last year. They really have. I don't know about this. His watchfulness doesn't cease. He sees you. He's always seen you, and he will continue to see you. The example in the book, and it's a pretty, pretty good example, is of a garden. If, if we're to say, you know what, we want to have a garden. Uh, we're going to have cucumbers. We're going to make some pickles. We're going to have okra. Uh, we're going to have squash because four plants will feed the whole world. Uh, we're going to have a garden. And so we, here in May, we make our mounds, and we plant the stuff, and we turn the water on, and it sprouts, and we have a garden. If you come find me in, in somewhere in May, there is the star of a garden. Now, find me sometime in July, and I'm probably going to make you take some okra because we've got so much of it. But what about the time in between? What if you, what if you couldn't see what's happening? What if it seems to be taking too long? That's a lot like God and how he works with us. There's never a point when he doesn't see us. There's never a point when he's not with us. And so what if, what if Carrie came home in, on June 15th and said, I thought we had a garden. I thought we were going to have squash. I thought we were eating this. We're still having Cheerios. Well, come and find me in, in a month or two and see what happens. We get so crazy about this stretch, but here's the deal. God never leaves us, never forsakes us. He saw us then. He's going to see us later, and he sees us now. His watchfulness never ceases. What have you to fear when we have a God whose watchfulness never ceases? All right, here's the, here's the, the next part of that. Remember, he wants us to act on his word. And so we remember who God is. That's a big deal. We, re, we remember his will is good. That's a big deal. We remember his watchfulness never ceases. That's a big deal. And then we remember this. He wants us to act on his word. Here's where we've gone a little bit haywire in 2021. Did you know God's word, God's verses, are, were not preserved for us and given to us to put on T-shirts? Now, you might put one on T-shirt, whatever. Um, there, God's word is not to be a bumper sticker. God's word is not to be a plank at Mardell's that you get for $19. That's not what it's for. They're, God's word, it's not a bunch of cute sayings, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I was talking to Will, we were doing something the other day, he's working on a math problem, and they said, there is a solution to this math problem, you can get it. He can't get it. And then they said, well, actually, we looked in the back of the book, there's no solution to this problem. And he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That doesn't reconcile. Did you know verses aren't supposed to be bumper stickers? They're not supposed to be cute sayings. They're not supposed to be things to go, hey, this helps me get through another day. God's word is actually to be taken, believed, and lived out. He actually intended for you to do what he said. And so, hey, we may put it on a wall plaque to remind us, but that's not the end of it. God's word is to actually be lived out. And so if you say, God, what am I supposed to do in my marriage? How am I supposed to treat my husband or my wife? And then he tells you, this is how you treat them. Ephesians chapter five, whatever it is. 
And if you'll say, I actually put it into action, carry it out and do it, you'll figure out there's nothing to fear. And in doing so, you will prove his character. Now, that's a deep thing. I hope you understand that. His word is actually to be carried out, to be lived. And when you do it, you'll find out that it was the best thing and there was nothing to fear. And when that happens, you'll prove that he is kind. He is gracious. He did know what he was talking about. He's wise, infinite in his wisdom. He wants us to actually carry it out and do it. Let me read from Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. And he's given the instructions to Joshua, and God's word says this. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law, the word of God, which Moses, my servant, has commanded you. Do what my word says. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Well, I might not get to it right now. So that you may have success wherever you go. We better listen to that again. Only be very strong and courageous, not fearful. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or left so that you may find success wherever you go. You'll find success and it'll confirm the character of God. Verse 8, this book of the law, God's word, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you're, for them, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. He intends us to do what he says. When you do what he says, you're going to find there's nothing to be scared of and it's going to confirm his character. It's like this. You ever go to Six Flags, and I, they, I haven't been in a long time. It costs a lot of money. But when I went, I think the, the double loop thing was brand new, the shockwave. Uh, that was in 1989 when I went. And I remember all, I had a lot of friends, they were going to go ride it, and they ride it. They ride it. And I'm kind of a heavy set kid, and I'm thinking, I just ate a bun, big bunch of lunch and nacho cheese, and I don't know if I want to ride that anyway, and, and I don't know. And I watch that thing, and, you, and you're kind of scared, and then you get in line, and as you get closer, you think, I don't know if I want to ride that daggum deal. It looks like it's kind of dangerous. And, and then I, I'll just get out. So I get out, and I went and rode that thing that does like this around that river. And then everybody's saying, you're, you're a wimp, and you're... Uh, lazy and you're this and you're that and you're dumb. So I'm like, well, dadgum, I'll ride this, this dumb thing. And I get on it, get in the line, 10 people away, get in the seat, and they put that little rail down. And I'm like, I weigh 251 pounds. I was thin back then. <laughs> and this stupid rail is going to be the thing that just makes me feel safe as I fall out of the loop because this isn't holding anybody. And th this is dumb and it's loose anyway. Ride the ride, and you get off and go. That was really pretty dumb. That was dumb. That was easy. There was nothing to be scared of. God intends us to walk according to what he says, and when we do, we'll find out there's nothing to be fearful from. He actually is for us. He actually is going to be with us, and it confirms his character. He actually is good. All right. Two great truths, remember. Well, I think the second one is the point to the lesson. The first great truth is this. If God leads us to it, we should have no fear in it. We can have no fear in it. Listen, if God leads you to it, 
You can have no fear in it. All of that to say this, and I think this is the point to the lesson. Therefore, we should seriously fear being out of God's will. If you're in his will, he is powerful, mighty, able, kind, gracious. There is nothing to fear in his will. Therefore, we should seriously fear being out of God's will. Now, I want to go back to the definition that's going to matter. To fear is to be afraid of some one or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. Fear is to be afraid of someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. Here's, here's where we're going to get. If you're in God's will, there is nothing to fear because of who he is, because his will is good. However, outside of his will, it is going to be dangerous, it is going to be painful, and it is going to be threatening. It's the exact flip side opposite. In his will, you have nothing to fear. Outside of his will, you're going to get hurt. Your heart's going to hurt. Your home's going to hurt. Your relationships are going to hurt. It's going to hurt. It is dangerous, dangerous to be outside of the will of God, and it is threatening. Here's the deal tonight, and this is what I think the point of the lesson is. Here's the thing. For some crazy reason, we're not scared to be outside of God's will. Look at the drama in our lives. Look at the chaos in our lives. Look at the trouble in our lives. Look at all the messes that could have been avoided. And yet, for some reason, I don't, I don't know what it is, we're not scared to be outside of God's will. Let me ask you some questions, and these are, these are just blanket questions. What if he says, do not live together like a married couple if you're not married? We're not scared of that. He'll, he'll understand it. I'll tell him how it'll be. What if he says, handle your finances like this? Not scared of that. He'll take care of us. I'll tell him how to be. What if he says you ought not look like the world that you live in, that you exist in? That's what he says. What if he says you ought to look different? I want to do what the world does. I like the things the world does. I'm not scared of that. What if he says you can't harbor unforgiveness in your heart? Well, I want to talk about these other folks. What if he actually says you can't be unforgiving? I'm not scared of that. I've been so unforgiving so long, he'll worry about that. What if he says you can't be hateful? What if he says you can't operate in sin? You cannot exist in sin. You can't go out on in sin. You know what? I'm not scared of being out of his will. He'll forgive it. He'll take care of that somewhere down the road. Today, the world, and I'll just tell you, sadly, the church has led us, and I'm talking to believers, to be comfortable in our sin. It's not that big of a deal, not that big of a deal. We'll fix it later. And we're not terrified of being outside of God's will. Do you know if you're outside of God's will, you're setting yourself up for hurt and pain and trouble and a mess of chaos. And here's the thing, because the church has done a poor job explaining that, we think, well, that's legalism. That's, that's the Baptist way. That's strict religion. That's a burden or duty. It's not any of those things. It is God trying to love us and to show us what's best for us. It is his love for us. Listen, he forgives sin. 
He renews. He restores. He makes all things new in him. He loves us. And so he's not saying, here's some rules for you to keep. He is saying it's actually the best way to live. Our problem today is we're not terrified to exist outside the will of God. Maybe it's because we don't believe the first part of that, that we're safe inside the will of God. In God's will, if God leads us to it, we can have no fear. Some of us need to remember that today. Okay, he's led me here. This is what he's led. I'm not going to have any fear. However, we should be terrified to be outside the will of God. Some of us need to remember that today. You know what? I want to honor him. I want to bless him and follow his word. All of that wraps up, and it comes back to where we start almost every single week. So how do I know God's will? So how do I know God's will? I'm going to tell you three ways, and and all three of them you've heard 10 times. How do I know God's will? He'll bless you in it. You're in danger out of it. How do I know God's will? First thing is this, you have to spend time in God's word. You have to read God's word. You have to be where God's word is preached. You have to plan on living, doing what God says in his word. Second thing is this, if you'll seek his will, he'll tell you. The Bible says if you need wisdom, book of James, ask him, he'll give it to you. He's not trying to make you put together a puzzle that you can't figure out. If you'll say, God, I'm not sure about my college. God, I'm not sure about my career. God, I'm not sure if I ought to date this person. God, I'm not sure if we ought to purchase this thing. If you will seek his wisdom, he'll he'll give you wisdom. So we're going to spend time in God's word. It's going to be the standard, the plumb line that we use. We're going to seek his will, and then we're going to spend time in prayer. God, tell me. God, help me. We're going to spend time in prayer. If we would do those things, I want to tell you what, God would bless it, he would show us his will, and we would walk in his blessing. You know what? If you're in God's will, you have nothing to fear, nothing at all. You know what? Outside of God's will, we ought to be absolutely terrified. That's what he tells us in his word. He loves us, and he has the best thing for us. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer and be dismissed. Glad you were here. Be sure and be back next week. Dear Father, we come tonight, and I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your truth. I'm thankful that you're not just giving us a bunch of rules, trying to browbeat us, trying to smash us down, but you love us, and you want the best for us. I'm thankful that when I mess up and we mess up, if we confess our sins, you're quick and you're faithful and you're just to forgive us of our sin. You tell us you remember it no more. And so we're not here as believers under condemnation, under the weight of guilt. We're here forgiven because of Christ. But now as we've been forgiven, now as we stand in your righteousness, you have the best way for us to live. Help us to hear that. Help us to walk in obedience to that. Help us, Lord, to to, to walk closely with you that you might be able to bless that and be honored and known through it. Lord, I'm thankful for your your word. I pray that you strike it upon our hearts that we leave here tonight and we think about it. I pray for the youth here tonight. Let them see very early, right now, that they can walk in obedience and it matters. They can point to you and it matters, that they can seek your wisdom and you'll tell them. They can walk in your will and it'll be the greatest thing for them. Lord, I pray for the oldest adult here. Let us know that it hasn't ended 
until we've met you. And let us live in a way that matters. Pray for our kids meeting across the street. And just this week, I think about all the dangerous garbage of a sorry world coming for those kids. Lord, let the foundation of your word, your kindness, your truth stack tonight. Protect their hearts, their little hearts. We give you all this. We pray in Christ's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Glad you're here. You're dismissed.